I'm Cody Archie with Bar 7 Ranch in Gatesville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join me for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Senate Agriculture Committee passed two bills that affect the meatpacking industry. We'll take a closer look at what those bills are coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Giving customers something special is a good way to succeed in the direct beef sales business. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A conversation with the new Vice Chancellor and Dean of Agriculture and Life Sciences at Texas A&M AgriLife. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from Dr. Jeffrey Sable on Texas Ag Today. A lot of farming has been taking place across the rolling plains the last few weeks. And while the actual work is getting done on schedule, the decisions a producer has to make get more complicated. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Senate Agriculture Committee passed a package of bills that would address packer concentration issues in the meatpacking industry. The Meat and Poultry Special Investigator Act and the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, which includes a new cattle contract library, both passed on a near-unanimous voice vote. Top Senate Ag Republican John Bozeman voted against the bills, saying they are legally costly to small producers, they duplicate existing USDA functions and discourage industry investment in high-quality beef. If the incentive for those investments is taken away and the focus becomes producing the most pounds for the lowest cost, I think the industry, our ranch families, and our rural communities will all suffer. Colorado's Michael Bennett offered a successful amendment to the mandatory cash purchasing bill. My amendment would strengthen price transparency, and I think strengthen the bill by implementing a USDA recommendation to realign the livestock mandatory reporting regions. That would allow Colorado finally to see more granular data about things like price reporting, which leads to market transparency for players of all sizes. My amendment also helps South Dakota and Illinois with the same issue. Both the American Farm Bureau and the National Cattlemen's Beef Association are opposed to mandating cash-fed cattle purchases. Hot, dry weather is taking a toll on the Texas cotton crop. The latest crop condition ratings out this week show a rapid deterioration in the weekly crop ratings. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey takes a look at the Texas cotton condition numbers. 40% of the Texas cotton currently rated very poor to poor. 
That's up from 29% last week and 22% two weeks ago. And Rippey says those poor Texas conditions are weighing down the national cotton condition ratings. Only 40% of the cotton rated good to excellent on June 19th, 26% very poor to poor. That's a sharp decline from last week's 46% and 19% respectively. That's USDA's brand Rippey. Now the Texas corn and sorghum crops aren't looking very good either. In fact, Texas has the worst corn crop ratings in the nation. Right now, only 32% of the Texas corn crop is rated good to excellent, 36% is rated fair, and 34% of the corn crop rated poor to very poor. Sorghum ratings actually look worse than that. Only 20% of the sorghum crop rated good to excellent, 45% of the sorghum crop rated fair, and 35% of the sorghum crop rated poor to very poor. Giving customers something special is a good way to succeed in the direct beef sales business. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Megan Foote was one of the presenters at a Texas A&M AgriLife program in Amarillo where she shared her insights on what it takes for a rancher to succeed in the business of direct beef sales. Megan and her husband Garrett have a stocker operation just across the state line in Texaco, New Mexico. And as we talked about in our previous report, the Foots got going in direct beef sales about two years ago as customers sought them out at a time when the pandemic was causing meat shortages in grocery stores. Since then, the Foots business has continued to grow and diversify. I think what brings the customers back is just they've had a good experience with us, the purchasing process, but also the product. I have not run into an instance where we have had a customer who has bought something where they haven't come back and said, wow, this was really great. I want more. A lot of times our customers are telling us that they can tell a quality difference in what they're getting from the grocery store. And that's a fine line. I don't talk about that a lot. The majority of what we do, our cattle are actually going into the grocery store. So I like to make sure that our customers know that grocery store beef is still safe and healthy and good quality. What we sell that's a little bit different is we're making sure that the cattle that we're using, that we're processing for steaks and those kinds of things, we're pulling from the upper end of our cattle. So our higher quality cattle are the ones that are being processed. So we're very particular about the ones that we're running through our beef business. And then we're also aging the beef as well, which is different than what consumers are getting in the grocery store. Along with producing high quality meat, effective marketing is also important in direct beef sales. Megan Foote recommends having a website ready to go before you launch your business and also using social media for outreach to consumers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas A&M has a new vice chancellor and dean of agriculture and life sciences. Tom Nicoletti caught up with him for a visit. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Savill. He is the new Vice Chancellor and Dean of Agriculture and Life Sciences for Texas A&M AgriLife. And Dr. Savill, congratulations on the new position. What, just a couple of weeks, right? Yes, I started on June the 6th. Let's talk about the state agencies that you'll be overseeing. Well, in addition to the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, there are four state agencies that the Vice Chancellor is in charge of. Those would be the Texas A&M AgriLife Research, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, Texas A&M Forest Service, and Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Laboratory. It's early uh, in your position, but what are some of your short-term goals? Well, I think as I've talked to folks, we need to 
find the best people in every position we have. I told everybody that one of the things that I tell students, tell anybody that will listen to me, I would say we're in the people business. And if we have the best people in all these positions, if we treat people the very best we can do, we will have great success. Dr. Sabo, uh, talk about uh, some other challenges when it comes to uh, a changing group of people to serve. Texas is a very urban state, even though uh, agriculture is certainly uh, a major industry. Well, Texas is on its way to having 30 million people. That's changing the demographics. And we always say it's not that we just have everybody moving in from California, which is kind of the, the feeling we have is people are coming just from there. But we got people coming from all over the world that are coming to Texas. we got to be able to work with the new people that are coming in, be able to provide goods and services for them. That is Dr. Jeffrey Sable. He is the new Vice Chancellor and Dean of Agriculture and Life Sciences for Texas A&M AgriLife. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers are hard at work right now in the Texas Rolling Plains. Barry Mahler has an update from the Wichita Falls area. The wheat is pretty well harvested and cotton planting is ramping up here in North Texas and farmers are beginning to take a look at where we are and try to make plans for the future. Let's start with a wheat harvest that was quite a bit lower than average on yield and quite a few less acres that it's normally cut. A lot of the wheat was so affected by the dry weather, it was disastered and destroyed well before harvest. Now, some folks cut and baled it for hay, knowing our winter hay supply was going to be way below normal. But with a yield of only about a roll per acre, it makes the harvest cost go up. But even at a higher price that the hay was baled will give us some relief from the coming winter because quite a few acres of sorghum would normally be growing right now. But, hey, they weren't planted because of the dry weather. So hay is going to be hard to come by. The wheat that was harvested at least brought a good price. Most of it selling for over $10 per bushel. But the yields kept that from being the great news it could have been because selling half a crop for 10 is kind of like selling a normal one for five. The big question now seems to be where are we headed? The crop looks to be smaller all the way up the winter wheat belt here in the U.S. With exports off the market in Russia and Ukraine, there is a possibility that the market could remain strong for the next year. But the recently released World Supply and Demand report show the stocks to be some lower, but not tremendously lower. But just the increase in price will see demand shrink from normal, and the question remains... Just how much can we invest in the crop to be planted in the fall with the market so volatile? Cotton planting, of course, is always a challenge. It's very difficult to bring it up to a stand. If you plant it too deep to reach moisture, a spring shower can crush the ground and the plant will not poke through. So you plant just deep enough to put the seed in good moisture, but shallow enough for it to push through the soil into a good stand. But cotton planted this shallow is subject to drying out due to hot days and windy weather. And that's just what we've had the last several days. We're in a waiting game right now to see how well it fares. Sound kind of complicated? Well, it is, and it always has been. But with the input cost of putting in a crop going up almost daily, a farmer needs to make wise decisions. And that is difficult to do in our fast-changing world. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. And summertime is here. And that means fleas will become a problem for pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. 
Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Summertime is here, and that means fleas will become a problem for pets. Dr. Bob Judd looks at the problems they can cause. Fleas can cause lots of problems for pets, including itching and skin disease, as well as they can carry parasites and other diseases, such as the bacterium that causes cat scratch fever in humans. Controlling fleas is much more difficult than going to the pet store and buying a collar or using a flea shampoo, as most of the time these products are ineffective. It is important to treat three areas when treating fleas, and unless all areas are addressed, flea control will be ineffective. Treating the pet first and using an oral tablet is likely the most effective, as some of these products control fleas for one month and some for three months. These products control the fleas for the entire time, whereas flea shampoo only kills the adult fleas and then is gone after you rinse it off. If you have your pets in the house and you have carpet, then treating the house with an insect growth regulator that lasts up to six months in your carpet is critical. If the environment is not treated, flea control will not be effective. And the yard is the same issue, as this must be treated once a week for four weeks, then once a month during flea season, which in Texas is almost all year round. The reason for these recommendations can be found in the flea life cycle, and there are four stages of flea development, including egg, larva, pupa, and adult. Linda Paul indicates in today's veterinary nurse that adult fleas lay eggs on the host and the eggs fall off in the environment in your house or yard. The larvae hatch in one to six days, and then the pupal stage lasts two to three weeks. Pupa can develop into adults in two to five weeks, depending on the environment. The life cycle can be completed in as little as two weeks, but the fleas must be treated for three months to eradicate the infestation. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fishing tournament season is here, and Jessica Domel tells us two Texas anglers have already won big this year. A 26-year veteran of the United States Navy won a new boat and trailer package this month for reeling in a redfish that was tagged and released by the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas as part of its annual STAR tournament. The annual fishing tournament is a membership drive for the grassroots organization that is dedicated to ensuring the health and conservation of marine resources and anglers' rights to them. According to CCA Texas, Senior Chief Stephen Burris, U.S. Navy retired, caught the first blue-tagged redfish of the year near Pita Island while fishing with friends. Bill Kinney, Star Tournament Director, says for his catch, Burris will receive one of the boat and trailer packages. In the blue tag division, the first three blue tags that are caught pay off with 22-foot Maudi Vs, which are formidable boats that also have 150 Mercury outboards on the back and coastline trailers. And then the fourth uh, blue tag caught pays off with a $2,000 Academy gift card. The fifth blue tag caught pays with a $2,000 Academy gift card. And then the next five Blue tags redeemed by eligible anglers pay off with $750 Academy gift card. So there's a lot of 
tag redfish to be caught out there. There is still plenty of time for anglers to try their hand at catching one of this year's prizes as part of the STAR tournament. To be eligible to win, anglers must be a current member of CCA Texas and be registered in the STAR tournament before fishing. You can enter and see this year's rules and prizes at startournament.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We wrapped up an awful week of trading in the cotton and grain markets on Friday. We'll take a look back at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market ended the week lower on Friday. Lower prices across the board on all except the nearby June live cattle contract. Of course, it's a very lightly traded contract getting ready to go off the board. The June was up 10 cents Friday, finishing at 135.35. August live cattle down 50, 133.37. The October down 25 at 139.75. Feeder cattle lower across the board. August feeders down 235 at 172.50. The September down $1.77, $175.07, while October feeders were down $1.55 at $177.07. Cash-fed cattle market, mostly steady to $2 lower, $138. Sold most of our fed cattle here in the Southern Plains over the past week. Northern cattle ranged $230 to $240 on the rail. That's mostly $4 higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 45 cents at 265.11. Select up 19 at 245.13. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Did you know that they had a sheep and goat sale in Fredericksburg on Tuesday? And according to Sean Geiswide, it was a good one. Sean, how many noses did you catch? Turned out real well, Larry. We ended up with all 57 or 800, so we ended up with, so uh, had a good run. Uh, you know, those lambs might have been just a tick softer on uh, kind of those 15 to 70 pounders. Kind of bring you know, 220 to up to 265 or 70. Probably been one bunch bring 280, which I thought was pretty good still. But it wasn't a whole lot softer on them. You know, some of that specialty stuff on holiday, some of those bigger buck lambs and horns and uh, tails and, you know, the whole Whole meal deal for him. Well, that was awful high. You know, a lot of that stuff ring playing 100 ring well over $3. So, you know, I thought that was awful good. Uh, kids might have been just a, 
on the better kids, got to bring up to, I had one set, bring up more dollars. We haven't bring, you know, kind of 40, 30, 40, like we did last week. So that was a little softer. Uh, nanny market on the really good nannies. We had some flesh. It was a bad holiday. Uh, it should bring well over $2. Some of the lighter carcass was up to $3. Uh, Billy market was awful strong again. Some of those bigger billies uh, bring up to uh, $250 or $60. And some of those yearlings for that holiday, uh, you know, we had some yearling billies weighing over 100 bring 360 today. So I thought, oh, we got along real well. So the, the holiday stuff was awful high. And then uh, the rest of the stuff was not been used for that holiday. It might have been just a tick softer, but not a whole lot. Tell everybody how to contact you. We reach us at 830-997-4394. Larry, this week and next week will be our last sales. We will be off after the 4th of July uh, on the 5th and 6th. We will not have any sales. All right. We appreciate you, and we'll talk with you after the cattle sale. Thank you. Texas neighbors, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I put it together every day for the good people there, and I'll do so tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs finished on a strong upswing on Friday. July, Lean Hogs up 237 to close at 110.92. The August up 310 at 106.77. Class 3 milk was mixed. June milk up 4 cents, 24.33 a hundredweight. July milk down 61 at 22.85. It was a big meltdown in the cotton market over the past week. Some 22-cent drop in the nearby contracts. The old crop contracts dropping even further than that. Fears of a recession, continued Chinese lockdowns, and improving West Texas weather all weighing on the cotton market over the past week. We wrap things up on Friday with October cotton down 186 points, 107.15. The December contract dropped back below a dollar. It was down 396 points to finish the week at 98.05. The corn market finishing strongly higher. July corn up three and a half, seven fifty and a quarter. September corn up sixteen cents, six eighty-two and three quarters. While December corn was up eighteen and a half, six seventy-four a bushel. And the wheat market finishing a meltdown week as well. We had a sharply lower trade throughout the week, dropping both hard and soft wheat below ten bucks. July Kansas City wheat down twelve and a half, nine ninety-two and a half. July Chicago wheat. Down 13 and a half at 923 and three quarters. In the energy markets, July natural gas was down a nickel, 618. August crude oil up 315, closing at 107.42 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 761 points at 31,439. The NASDAQ up 312, 11,544. The S&P up 103 at 3899 That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.